history of this podcast has been a little weird. I started writing these just as like writing practice and I was putting them up on Medium and then somebody asked me if I could do an audio version of it and I thought why not do a podcast. I did a podcast and then I did this version of the podcast because I did not want to continue to use a service that they basically overpay a specific person to do a podcast and I kind of didn't want to be associated with them and I wanted to remaster the earlier ones because I got a new and better mic. That being said, the intro for this one is not quite relevant anymore. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in and just start it. So this is rereading my childhood. The Babysitter's Club number six, Christie's Big Day. Elizabeth Thomas is getting married to Watson Brewer in September, and she wants Christie to be her bridesmaid. Christie is excited to wear a dress and stand by her mother, which surprised me as I thought if Christie was seen in a dress, she would combust. But you know, it's a special occasion and Christy is happy for her mother. It's incredibly mature of her to put aside her clothing preferences for one day to make her mother happy. However, there's a snag. Christy's mother's company is sending her on a business trip the week of her wedding and there's a new family that wants to buy Christy's house and they want to move in next month. The wedding is not postponed. No, it's moved up. Mrs. Thomas has to pack, move an entire family, and plan a wedding in two and a half weeks. I'd suggest getting the house ready to move, marry at the courthouse if that is important, and postpone the wedding. However, I decided to postpone a trip to Disneyland and then COVID-19 hit, and who knows when I'm going to see my buddy Hatbox Ghost again. I might not be the best person to talk about long-term planning. The rest of Christy and Watson's relatives are arriving early to help with the wedding, but they're also bringing a total of 11 kids, plus David Michael, Karen, and Andrew with them. The kids can't be left on their own, but the parents are going to be busy with the packing and the planning and the preparation of the apartifs. Well, the Babysitter's Club is to the rescue. Since they're on summer vacation, many of their charges are also taking vacations. There's a big hole in their job calendar, so they step up to create what is essentially a day camp for the Thomas Watson relatives, a future BSC staple. Watson and future Mrs. Brewer, I'm assuming I wouldn't want to be a Mrs., but since it's the 80s, I'm assuming Lizzie will take the title. We'll pay the BSC a total of $600 to watch over 14 kids for a week. $125 per BSC member. That's nothing to scoff at $1987. Today, that would be $1,300 or about $260 apiece. But they're going to have to earn it, and the next few pages showcase why these girls are worth more than a thousand bucks. The first thing the girls do, after accepting the job, of course, is to list all the kids in their ages. Marianne organizes the list by age. Two of the kids are babies and Marianne volunteers to exclusively care for those two. The rest of the kids are split into groups of similar ages and are assigned to a babysitter. Then the girls name each group with a color and a symbol and create name tags. Their corresponding babysitter will wear the same name tag and this allows everyone to know which group they're in. This also helps the babysitter remember the names of the kids. I was reading this book in two sentences after the list of kids. I already forgot all their names, except the regulars David, Michael, Karen, and Andrew. Catherine of the Yellow Suns? I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm pretty sure that's a team on Legends of the Hidden Temple. The Shrine of the Silver Monkey! Olmec echoes in my head forever. This level of organization is incredible. Seeing the girls work together is a highlight and an excellent example for girls to emulate. On Sunday, all the relatives arrive and each kid gets a little introduction. Turns out Dave and Michael and his cousin Burke are friends. Peter is carsick. There's a shy one who won't let go of her father's legs. I don't remember them all. I can barely remember the names of my favorite K-pop group and there are only five of them. How would I remember the names of 14 kids whom I'll never see again? Monday arrives and it's T-minus five days to the wedding and the first day of the Brewer Thomas It's All Relative Day Camp. It's not called that, but it should be. 
Every parent who shows up gives a monologue about their kids' various allergies. Poor Marianne has to stand there and write everything down. They all have nap times. I don't remember childhood scheduled nap time. I don't remember ever taking a nap as a kid. And the only times I've ever taken a nap as an adult, I immediately regretted it moments after waking up. When the parents leave, all the kids start to cry. Some because they're children, and that's what children do. Maybe some of them are crying just to fit in. Anyway, the babysitters start to read to the kids and they all calm the fuck down. The next day, they take the kids to various field trips around Stony Brook. Just to name a few, Claudia takes her kids to the library, Stacy goes to the brook, and Dawn takes her kids to the school playground. Unfortunately, Dawn's group is Karen, David, Michael, and Burke. The three tell the other children on the playground about the Martians, who are coming to fight humans with ray guns. The other children run screaming, and Dawn ushers the group away from the playground, or else face the horrific wrath of the playground counselor, Fran. The kids are on their best behavior for the rest of the day. Three days go, and Stacy writes in the BSC notebook, I know you guys think I'm sophisticated since I'm from New York and my hair is permed and everything, but no kidding, my favorite movie is Mary Poppins. Okay, Stace, like what you like. Mary Poppins is a fine movie to choose as your favorite. And I have no basis to judge you. One of my favorite movies, and the movie I've probably seen the most in my life, is Jason Lives, Friday the 13th Part 6. My actual favorite movie is Spirited Away, in case you were wondering, which you weren't. Well, it just so happens that the embassy, the local movie theater, is showing Mary Poppins. Stacy takes her group to see the movie, and it doesn't go well. First of all, one of the kids, Emma, forgets her money. Stacy calls Marianne and asks if the money is there. Marianne can't find it. Emma discovers her money in her pocket. But this, paired with the children getting snacks, makes them late for the movie. By the end, the kids spill their food and scream and are kicked out of the movie theater. By the end, the kids spill their food, scream, and are kicked out of the theater. On Thursday, the boys at the camp all have to get haircuts. Marianne is tired of taking care of two babies, so she joins Christy in this task. They take the kids after lunch when the kids are, well, hopefully, tired. It does not go well. The barber is overwhelmed. The kids ask for strange haircuts instead of the standard boring stuff appropriate for a wedding. And Christy chastises David, Michael, and Luke when they act like brats. The day before the wedding, it rains all day and the camp is moved inside. There's going to be a rehearsal dinner later, so the BSC gets the idea to put on a rehearsal for the rehearsal. They're going to marry off Karen and David Michael. Not really, of course. It's not West Virginia. Prove me wrong, West Virginia. The others volunteer for their remaining roles, including Luke as the minister and Burke as the bride's father, to give her away. My thoughts on the antiquated idea of the father of the bride giving his daughter to another man as if she were a Buick is coming soon. While the ceremony takes place, the BSC takes pictures of the whole thing. Of course, when it comes to the kissing part, David, Michael, and Karen recoil in horror. One more bad thing has to happen. While the kids are getting dressed for the rehearsal dinner, all the clothes are mixed up. Emma moved the clothes around for some reason. Christy punishes her by making her sit in a room by herself to think about the trouble she caused. That punishment never worked for me. All I thought was, oh, thank God, I get to have some time alone. However, it does work for Emma. At the end of the week, the BSC is paid, including a bonus of $10 each. Don't break the bank there, Watson. You're only the richest person in Stony Brook. The only thing that goes awry during the wedding is Karen screams when she sees Morbid of Destiny. This is addressed fantastically in the Netflix series. In the book, the parents just usher Karen away and pretend she didn't just scream at the neighbor. Finally, as a wedding present, Chrissy gives her mother and Watson a hand-drawn family tree. I'm not a big fan of weddings, so a wedding episode of the Babysitter's Club doesn't appeal to me, especially when it involves old, rich, white people. 
What does appeal to me? I appreciated the extensive logistics conversations utilizing each babysitter's specialities. I like the personal drama, but it's better when the drama doesn't involve petty fights between the members of the BSC. The conflict should come from outside the club. Also, it should force the club to work together to make the world a better place, even if it's just teaching a kid to behave better or giving respite to some stressed out people who have no patience. Either way, the girls earn that money, and it's positive to display young women as smart and capable. The BSC was thoughtful in how they went about organizing the camp, and they were responsible in how they interacted with the children. This book is an early BSC highlight, and an excellent example of what made this series so special to millions of young girls, and maybe a few boys, around the world.